Welcome to Sense by Meg Forer, the podcast that's brought to you by ParentSense, the app that takes guesswork out of parenting. If you're a new parent, then you are in good company. Your host, Meg Forer, is a well-known OT, infant specialist, and the author of eight parenting books. Each week, we're going to spend time with new mums and dads just like you to chat about the week's wins, the challenges, and the questions of the moment. Subscribe to the podcast, download the ParentSense app, and catch Make Here every week to make the most of that first year of your little one's life. And now, meet your host. Welcome back, mums and dads. I am thrilled to be your host on Sense by Meg Fora, the ultimate parenting podcast. I'm Meg Fora, an accomplished occupational therapist and an expert in all things related to infants. My special interest lies in the perinatal period. So that's the period that covers everything from pregnancy all the way through until in the early years, so early childhood education. And my goal in life is to help simplify the early parenting journey and guide you through this really exciting time. And each week, I'm delighted to welcome a new mom, sometimes an infant specialist, and sometimes a media personality to the show. And we delve into their unique experiences and insights and uncover invaluable tips and tricks that are going to make your parenting journey smoother as well. And so this week, I'm especially thrilled to welcome Tove back to our show. So Tove has been on the show with us a couple of times. She was on as a mom of two, looking at the juggler's reel. So if you want to go back and look at that episode with Tove, we were talking about how she was introducing her little baby at the time, Jagger, to her special needs toddler, Gray. And of course, fast track about 14 months later, <laughs> Tove is back with us as the mom of three. So Tove, welcome to the show today. Thanks, Meg. Really lovely to have you. And you are no longer a mom of two. You are now a mom of three. And we followed your journey in the last couple of episodes, first with the actual introduction to how beautiful little Nova joined the world a couple of weeks early, quite a few weeks early. And then we also had a session with Kath McGaw on getting breastfeeding started with Prem Babies, which was a hugely useful session. So if you haven't listened to that and you have a Prem Baby Moms, go back and listen to that. And now fast track a couple of weeks. Nova will be five weeks old tomorrow. Can you believe how the time has flown already, Tove? It's crazy. It's crazy. It's so, 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 yeah, very slowly, but very quickly at the same time. It's amazing how that happens. Yeah, no, it's quite incredible. And how are things going? How are you finding the night feeds, the exhaustion? Is it as bad as it felt first and second time round or how is it now? Yeah, probably, definitely not. In fairness, I don't think I ever started sleeping again. So just. <laughs> just have continued to not sleep so I think that makes it a little bit easier it's not like you get your life back and start sleeping through the night and having these blissful these blissful evenings and the kind of then shock of going backwards so so I've actually found the adjustment very simple because it doesn't feel like a huge adjustment obviously I'm waking up more than I was but yeah it doesn't feel as startling as it did the second time there was a a, a bigger gap so it did kind of feel like oh my gosh I've gone back to no sleep no I'm but really tired not, yeah not really she's yeah. been great it's been really nice and also maybe they're just being so grateful to have her home mm-hmm. because I missed out on all that time with her in, in NICU in the evenings and there is I quite like that bonding quiet time. it's the one time of the day where all the other kids are not there and the husband's not there and the dog's not barking and there's not mm-hmm. 500 people pulling at you to have that time with her peacefully and maybe I'm also just super grateful that I've got that back to myself now so it's not bothering me as much yeah so yeah really super interesting I can remember when 
Alex, who's my second, was born. And um, I can remember getting up. She was a really easy baby, settled baby. And um, so she really was only ever doing one night feed and started to sleep through very early. But I can remember standing and um, we had a house up in Nurduk, up on the hill, overlooking the valley and then the ocean. And I can remember standing there at two o'clock in the morning, holding her, her, her in my arms, overlooking the valley with all the lights below me. And that for me encapsulated everything it was to be a new mom. Yeah, I was tired. I mean, I was up, I was tired, but I was just absolutely soaking up the time, the peace and the silence and being in a bubble with her. And it can be very precious time. I feel like, also I feel like knowing it's my last, maybe that's also it. Like, I know this is never going to happen again. And, Mm -hmm. And I also know now that there's an end. And I think when you have your first and you're never sleeping and you're stressed, you're like, is this going to end? Am I ever going to sleep again? And you get so I call true. the fear. And I feel like once you've got the fear, then you're just like, oh my gosh, if I don't sleep now, then I'm never going to sleep. And then if I don't put it down now and I don't like, and you just pick yourself up where both my kids sleep through now, the other two, I know it's going to end. I know she's going to yeah. sleep. Through I know we will get to the other side of this. Like it's fine. And it's the last time I'm ever going to do it. So I don't know. There's something very, there's something that feels very special in that. I feel a lot more patient, a lot more calm. And again, maybe it's also the birth was so traumatic and stressful and not being allowed to have her home and have her with me that I'm just so grateful to to have this space with her. Maybe that contributes too. Yeah. Yeah. So how long did she end up spending in the hospital? Because she was born, was she born six or seven weeks early? Seven weeks early. If I'd had a Caesar, it was six weeks early, but seven weeks in terms of term. And she was out in three we were very lucky, but I think it's because she was a good weight and she latched again, definitely to do with the help and advice from Kath and you guys very early. I pushed very hard and I did. The hospital time was very intense because I made sure I was there for every three hour feed that I could be. So the only ones I missed was the 12 and three in the morning, but I was there for the nine. The three. And be- I think because I pushed you know, it was probably more exhausting than what it is having her home now because I pushed so hard to do that and be there. She had to have the boob and I think it helped. Well, the nurses said to me, definitely helps that you're you're constantly here and putting the boob in her face. And so the latching, I think all of that stuff just helped. We were very lucky to get her home when we did. And, and they did it really well. Before I left, I wasn't allowed to take her home. You'd swear like it was my first child. <laughs> spend the night in a, a little room part of the hospital where they'd keep checking on me and check that everything was fine and that I was comfortable before I took her home I was like this is what you should be doing for first time moms who yeah. are like panicking it was actually a really wonderful thing to do because you had your ho- own little apartment your own fridge your own like it was like being at home but you know you had access to the nurses and the doctors if you felt nervous or worried um, wonderful almost like a step down facility it sounds exactly fabulous. Yeah. Exactly, exactly yeah. what it was. It's very, very clever. Quite amazing. So she is now three weeks prem. Will be two weeks prem tomorrow, I guess, because she's currently four weeks, six days. Tomorrow she'll be five yeah. weeks old. And so two weeks prem tomorrow. How have you found that kind of calculating the adjusted age? I find that quite tricky because I think psychologically, when you out of and maybe it's just me, but then having spoken to the other parents in the NICU. I feel like it's quite a similar journey. Like when you leave it, you're like, oh, we're done now. She's mm-hmm. fine. Like we're back on track. She's one month. And and that's not how it works, right? She's sleeping more. She's not quite at the same milestones. And and so actually your preemie journey is a longer one. In my mind, it was like, all I've got to do is get her out of NICU. 
but just got to get her out of NICU and get her home. And, and then it'll be fine. Like then it's back on track and I'm a tracking mom, you know that. So like, then I can go back to my tracking and everything will be fine. And it'll be the one month mark and it's not. And so I found that quite challenging to get my head around adjusting expectations. I'm looking for one month milestones, but she's not actually one month. She's minus two weeks. Like how long I'm going to have to keep managing that change in a, like when that stops. Mm -hmm. And obviously I have a bit of PTSD around my first having special needs and not hitting milestones. And so I see Nova not hitting the milestones and I go, this is the same thing. Am I like, I don't want to miss anything and I want to catch it early if there is a problem because that's what I had with Gray. But at the same time, it's kind of constantly reminding yourself that you don't have a one month old. And that is difficult because I'm finding that journey a little bit challenging to navigate. Yeah. So so let's talk a little bit about that because um, it can be quite confusing and even the words are confusing. So you've got what is called actual age or chronological age, depending on who you speak to. So sometimes it's CA means chronological age and AA means actual age. And then on the other side, you've got corrected age, CA, and adjusted age, AA. So you've got really lots of confusing words. We need to just pick one. So we'll call it her actual age, which is the age that she is now. So she is five weeks tomorrow and she will have her birthday party when she is 12 months old. So that is how old she is. And so when you speak about her to friends and family, she is five weeks old tomorrow because that's her life journey. But we use adjusted age or corrected age, but adjusted age when we start to look at things like developmental milestones, because we simply cannot expect her to have the same milestones as a baby who is born at term. Um, And so you very rightly pointed out that she would not quite be doing the things that she should be doing at a month old. In fact, if she was a month old, she would be making eye contact. She would be having a little bit more awake time. She would be watching your face maybe a little bit more. And in about two weeks time, she would smile. Now, those are your early milestones that you look for, turning towards sounds as well. So those type of things she won't be doing because she's actually still only just not even two weeks preterm. So she's not actually born yet. And so your developmental milestones, you do adjust. And how long you adjust them for depends on two things. The one, it depends on how prem your baby was. And the other thing is that it depends on how your baby's doing. So part of it is driven by her. We generally say that for 18 months, you adjust their age, but you start to kind of phase it out as they get a little older. And it does also depend on how prem they were. So if, for instance, she was only two weeks prem, which is a 38-weeker, which is actually considered a term baby, really, a full-term baby. But let's say she was only two weeks early. Then by the time she gets to a month old, you've already started to ignore that and and you negate for it. You don't don't even notice it. But a seven-week prem baby is quite a prem baby. And so in Nova's case, we'd probably be adjusting our expectations all the way through to about nine or 10 months. So when you're looking at... Uh, milestones that say she should be crawling by let's say nine months you probably would make sure she's crawling by 11 months or 10 and a half months and so you know it's make a little bit of a difference and it's specifically with those developmental milestones that that's really interesting for me because as I said again like psychologically I think you so like once I'm out of the NICU it's done and and, and you're not as you said like it, it really is shifting and it's also shifting all the content you're seeing right because then you see this content and you start to panic and you start to worry Mm. but things like weaning do you then does it also follow would you then wean a month later or six weeks later than what you would normally wean if I would wean at four weeks I'm now going to wean at five and a half closer to six Mm, I mean yeah 
That's really interesting. No, you don't. So that's what, so that's what the piece is oh, really okay. interesting. Yes. No. So you don't with weaning. So with weaning, we say that the, the latest science says that anywhere between 17 and 24 weeks is when you can start weaning your baby. And you actually stick with that as a chronological age or as an actual age for prem babies. Having said that, most of them won't wean at 17 weeks. They will be on the later side of that range. That's really interesting. So, so it's kind of it's so is it more it's more the developmental Science. piece then? Okay, exactly. Okay. So you're gonna watch for the signals. So in the weaning sense book, we talk about physical signals, which is when she sits on your lap and you hold her with your hands around her hips or her waist. She's sitting upright enough that her chin is up off her chest. So she's not sitting independently, but she's got her head off her off her chest. And um, she's interested in food. Is she making eye contact with food? Is she watching you when you take food to your mouth? Is she watching it? Um, so those are the type of signals that we're going to watch for. And we'll start watching that when her chronological age is 17 to 24 weeks. Okay, that's really interesting. And then in terms of sleep tracking and stuff like that, do we then work on her adjusted age as well? Like kind of when you start getting to the point where you awake, alert, awake, pushing for your kind of sleep hours and, and making sure that they're not overstimulating themselves, is that would we work on the adjusted age for that? Correct. So the adjusted age for sleep. Exactly. So at, for instance, the age that she is at now, she's probably you're probably looking at about 45 minutes between sleeps, which is age appropriate for now. And then as she grows, you will actually always adjust for that. That's really interesting. So that means that a full-term baby, at nine months, you're going to get a cusp age where a baby's um, from three sleeps down to two sleeps. She is going to do that at her adjusted age of nine months. Okay. So that'll be like 10 and a bit months. 10 yeah. and a half, correct. Interesting. Mm -hmm. interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, that's a like a completely different journey to navigate, right? Because it is, you are constantly, and also when you speak to the medical professionals, they're like, it, they also work on two different ages, depending on who you're talking to about what. And and mm -hmm. so it is, yeah, I found that quite interesting to navigate and, and definitely a little trickier than I anticipated. Yeah, very interesting. It is, it is a different journey. And like you say, I think you've got this, as you call it, PTSD, because you've had a child who has been delayed. So now yeah. you're super vigilant on watching her for delays. Yeah. And I'm definitely hyper hysterical about it. And I'm very aware of that. It doesn't make it any better, but it's just, you are very like, okay, well, hold on. You're not doing this. I have to keep reminding myself, well, she's not actually a month. She's not. Born yet. She's like literally. Yeah. She's a, she's still in my stomach kind of thing. And so that is, is quite tricky to keep taking yourself back there. And yeah, so I, I think that that for me has been really a really interesting piece. Cause as I said, I really thought, when she's out, it's done, yeah. you know, we're, we're done. And, and that is obviously not the case. Not yeah. 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 Very interesting. And how's the feed feeding journey going? This episode is brought to us by Parent Sense, the all-in-one baby and parenting app that helps you make the most of your baby's first year. Don't you wish someone would just tell you everything you need to know about caring for your baby, when to feed them, how to wean them and why they won't sleep. ParentSense app is like having a baby expert on your phone guiding you to parent with confidence. Get a flexible routine, daily tips, and advice personalized for you and your little one. Download ParentSense app now from your app store and take the guesswork out of parenting. Fantastically. Look, she's a really good feeder. She latches beautifully. She eats a lot. I've 
produce excess milk. So I, I am very lucky that that's not a journey we're struggling with. And I think, I think that's yeah. super interesting just for other moms. Sometimes dummies or pacifiers get a really bad rap because yes. we're told don't use them too early. And very often we're told, whatever you do, don't give your baby a bottle because it can create nipple confusion. But in actual fact, Nova's journey has included both dummies or pacifiers and bottles out of necessity and because she was prem and she's feeding beautifully. Beautifully. And I often use the bottle. So at night I cluster feed before the kind of 10 o'clock I'm going to bed feed, but I need my boobs to fill. So I always give her a bottle. I let my husband have a bonding moment with her and give her a bottle. I'll do like a seven o'clock feed and then he'll do like a half past eight cluster feed. And then I'll do like a half past nine, 10 one. And I let him do that one with a bottle. And it's a great way for him to also bond with her. And she takes the bottle beautifully. It's also given me a a lot of freedom with the other kids. Mm -hmm. So if I want to do a class with them or fetch them from school or take them to an activity. I can leave Nova with my husband or with the nanny with a bottle of breast milk and everyone's okay. Mm -hmm. I'm not like now, sorry, kids, other kids can't do anything with you because I need to be on call. She's demand Mm -hmm. feeding. And and I think that's been really helpful for the other kids as well in terms of settling them in and not getting too stressed and tense about Nova dominating my time. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, you know, to juggle and hugely personal for some mums, they will choose to exclusively breastfeed and for the older kids just to have a little bit less of them you have chosen to make sure that the others have a little bit more time and she has got then a, a bottle feed and like all things parenting it's such a personal journey and it's, it's what really what works for you and what works for your family how are you finding the juggle of actually having three in the house how, how's that going yeah it's been a it's definitely been a routine shift right you kind of very much like my husband and myself, you get into a pattern, like you do that, you manage that child, you have your structure. And when you have a third, that changes because now I'm doing a four or 5am feed. And so I want to try and sleep longer. So my husband needs to get both the kids up and do breakfast with both the kids. And then I want to see them before they go off to school. So the whole, the whole dynamic shifts. Now, how do you get all three of them in the car on, on the weekend? We were like, we're going to do a family outing. <laughs> My word, you're brave. Happen. I was like, that is it. We've been home for a week now. It's going to happen. It took us an hour and a half to get everyone ready to get in the car. And by that time I needed to do another feed. And then Jagger needed to have a sleep. And I was just like, there's no way. That like we'll go funny. for a walk down the road. Like it's just never going to happen. So <laughs> But also I think you're less anxious the third time she comes and does a school lift with me with Gray and I'm not worried as much as I was, but it's definitely a juggle as all parenting is. And it's definitely trying to find that balance and that new niche. And and then just as you get comfortable, Nova will have a leap or Jagger will have a leap or someone will shift something or some dynamic. So I'm under no illusion that it's not going to last for long. Like there's like little brief moments of yay before something spirals and happens again. But yeah, at the moment it's been lovely. I think my biggest challenge, I don't know if it's a challenge, but what's been interesting to me is trying to get the kids to acknowledge Nova or kind of engage with her. Gray lives in her own world and has special needs. And so she didn't with Jagger and so I didn't anticipate her having any interest in Nova other than I'm feeding and so she can't be on top of me and so there's that dynamic to balance and strangely enough she's been more interested in Nova than Jagger has maybe because she saw Jagger as a baby and she knows now what Jagger will be I, I don't know but she's definitely more attention-y to me when I'm feeding Nova and I try and feed her often with the kids around and I'll put the TV on or something so that they want to sit by me 
peacefully because otherwise it'll be chaos and be part of the feeding quiet journey together because I thought you know, she mm. doesn't do much else than that yeah so I guess one of my big questions is how to engage Jagger particularly Gray is obviously a separate kettle of fish but engage Jagger with Nova without creating too much trauma for him yeah So it's quite interesting. You mentioned there that uh, Gray has been more interested in Nova than Jagger has. And Jagger, of course, is 15 months, 14 months. Yeah, 14 months. 14 months, yeah. So a couple of things around that. And this goes for children anywhere when, when there's only a very small gap of a year all the way through to actually a bigger gap of even three years. That little babies are actually not very cute or engaging for toddlers. Like they're kind of a little bit blobby. They cry a bit. They occupy a place on your chest occasionally when you're breastfeeding, but pretty much for everything else, they're they're not terribly interesting. The big shift comes, and particularly for social children like Jagger, the big shift comes when Nova gets cute. And that's usually at about kind of eight to 12 weeks. Uh, In her case, it'll be maybe at around about 12 to 16 weeks. Uh, You know, become really cute because she's smiling, she's engaging. When people walk in the room, they want to make eye contact with her. That's the point at which Jagger will suddenly notice that this is a human being. So it's not just common for them to actually completely discount new baby at this age. Uh, Gray, it's quite interesting because maybe Gray, it's not so much around the fact that she remembers what Jagger was like, but maybe she's moving into a developmental phase where she is actually more interested in people outside of herself as she is delayed. But maybe that progression is happening for her. And that's why she's suddenly interested in this other little life. I think um, Jagger's displaying what we would absolutely typically see for toddlers. Um, What will happen, guaranteed, and I mean, I'm sure if we're having a conversation in that time, in the next eight weeks, he will become very, very nose out of joint because she will become cute and he will be occupying a lot more in everybody's mind, yeah, on airtime at the time. He's definitely quite dramatic at the moment. Like he doesn't like the word no, throws himself on the floor and has a cry. It's very emotional about it all. And definitely wants to sit on top of me when I'm feeding, but I let him, like I can move mm. Nova. Around and then I put his hand on her and I'm like, oh, your baby, look at your baby. Yeah. You know, as you said, he's just like, whatever. There's this blobby thing here, pushes her in the pram a bit. Although it's like a near death experience for Nova. <laughs> but uh, yeah I'm definitely anticipating some serious behavior pushback yeah yeah (laughs) so one of the things that's quite a good idea to do you enjoy books loves books okay so one of the things you can do is instead of saying it's time for Nova's feed now you say it's time for story time now and you have wherever you're feeding you have a little box of books and so you have those books with you and the minute he comes close you say come it's time for story time then what actually happens is that the feed is the secondary issue that happens to be going on in the background. But the main primary thing that's actually going on is book reading time. And that tends to make them feel like actually you're sitting still, which Tove, I know you fairly well. You've probably not sat still much in his life. So <laughs> now he's now he's got the pleasure of actually having you sit still and you can read a book to him. So I think try and make feed time all about him. And obviously Nova can just get on and feed. And, and that's easy at this age. It all changes when she becomes social, which will happen at about 16 weeks for for term baby. So when she's about 20 weeks old, she'll suddenly not want to feed because she'll be so fascinated by everything that's going on in the world. And if you're reading to him, she'll be distracted. But for now, we're in a little bit of a honeymoon period in some ways. It's going to get trickier from here before it gets easy again. Yeah, no, I've I've no doubt we're 
definitely anticipating more challenges with him yeah yeah <laughs> very interesting but you really are coping remarkably I think to have a prem baby as your third baby to have that baby completely on your own anybody's interested to hear Tove's story she did give birth on her own because her husband was far away and that you know at the time because you are quite stoic you kind of treated it as, a, as if it was matter of fact but that was a big start for you and her it really was yeah, I, I definitely, as I said, I'm sure once everything's calmed down and we've settled down a bit, there'll be some trauma around that. But I think, I don't know, maybe again, our journey with Gray has been so traumatic in so many ways that just the fact that we're all alive and mm. happy and healthy, like that was just mm. very grateful. That was the outcome of what felt like at the moment it could have gone anyway. Yeah. So it, it was, yeah, we were very lucky and, and the, the hospital was great and all of that makes a big difference. Really amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time, Tove. It's so fabulous to catch up and to hear about that early journey of a little prem baby, of another sibling, a third one in the family. And let's keep in touch. Absolutely. We'll chat soon. Chat soon. Thank you. Thanks to everyone who joined us. We will see you the same time next week. Until then, download ParentSense app and take the guesswork out of parenting.